how were you able to see the Lord like moving? Well, just in the fact that so many uh, Christians were reaching out to mm-hmm. the refugees mm-hmm. and people from like, you know, from a different country, you know, and the Christians reaching out and helping them. I mean, it wasn't just the Christians that are helping, everybody was helping, but but to see, you know, that, you know, like that compassion and also the opportunity also to share the gospel, right? That in Ukraine, they may never have heard, you know, because it's a strictly Orthodox country and as religious as it is, and they do have a reverence for God. Yeah, the, the gospel of grace, of God's free grace through Jesus Christ, you know, apart from works is not mm-hmm. known. Welcome to the Patterns of Truth podcast, the place for casual discussion of biblical principles and difficult questions that face the Christian believer. We believe that the Bible can speak to today's issues, giving us the wisdom and the courage we need for our lives. We are so glad that you are joining us, and you can always find us at patternsoftruth.org. Welcome, everyone. Thank you for joining us again at another Patterns of Truth podcast. I'm Patricia, your host for today. And this episode is an interview with a full-time servant missionary who serves the Lord in many ways, Brian Reynolds. So Kristen and I are here today, and we are recording this episode during the fall of 2022, right about to get into like the winter months. And uh, we're interviewing Brian because he recently returned from travels to Poland and Romania and some other Eastern European nations earlier in the fall. So we really wanted to get a chance to talk to him about his experiences and what's going on on the ground in those countries. I'm sure a lot of us have been hearing things through the news, but it's always good to hear from someone who is there. So our podcast typically focuses on Christians living here in North America, right? So the United States or Canada, Nova Scotia, but it's always good to turn our attention to other places in the world where Christians are um, who have different experiences. So welcome, Brian. Thank you so much for joining us. And how are you doing today? Um, I'm doing good for, for an old guy, I guess. <laughs> the arthritis is kicking in the knees, but uh, no, it's really good to be here, and this is a great privilege. Nice. No, we're so glad to have you. Christy, you're doing okay today? Yeah, I'm doing well, adjusting to cooler temperatures in Arizona than I had in California. So, Oh, really? What is it? Like 30 degrees, 40 degrees? Well, I think back home right now, it just barely be starting to change and we've been at 38 in the morning and staying in the 40s during the day so right now it's actually kind of warm it's 57 so yeah moving to a new state in a totally different place is uh i'm sure (laughs) interesting not just the weather so okay all right so we're gonna just jump right in brian why poland why now why did you plan this trip around this time yeah well it wasn't something Thing that was uh, initially in my on my schedule or in my mind, but I had been to Romania for three or four mm-hmm. times in the past. And of course, COVID hit and the pandemic and the traveling sort of shut down for overseas a bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, but during the COVID time, we were talking about how things really changed during that right. time mm-hmm. uh, before we came on air here and uh, uh, how like Zoom took off and all mm-hmm. of this. 
because she had to do things remotely. And a brother in Poland had contacted me and asked if I would do a Zoom message for some of the assemblies in okay. Poland. That was my first contact, mm-hmm. Polish uh, brethren. Although, like I said, the, the Romanian brethren I knew well, I've been there uh, several times. So they uh, contacted me for mm-hmm. Zoom. And then I planned to go to Romania this, the end of the summer. And I thought, why not? Because Poland's just next mm-hmm. door. And I know a few of the brothers just from online. Okay. Like take a trip after Poland, just fly from Bucharest to Warsaw and just visit the assemblies in mm-hmm. Poland. I reached out to them and they were glad to have me. So I went there. I was two weeks in, in Romania and a week and a half in Poland. So that's really how it came about. Although my wife is a little nervous because she said, Brian, you know, they're shooting and there's war right. in that area. Yeah. And, but I mean, so far, apart from the refugee influx, mm-hmm. Uh, there has been too much trouble, though Poland got a missile, a stray missile there the other day mm-hmm. on their side of the border. And then there's also the country of Moldova, mm-hmm. which uh, borders with Poland, or rather or Romania, I should say, used to be part of Romania. And they're under a lot of pressure from the Russians. Mm-hmm. So, so there is, you know, there's a lot of tension there. Sure. Uh, over the war that's for sure but i mean i'm in the lord's hands and i just felt i was led to go and right so, yeah. yeah so how many days were you there well like i said i was uh, in romania a good full two weeks okay and then probably about a week and a half in poland okay okay that's a that's a good amount of yep. time to kind of see what's well, going on three and a half weeks with traveling you pretty well hit your limit you know right <laughs> And then you want to go back to your own home bed. Yes. No, I can imagine. So, so what people did you meet and see when you were in Poland? And then if you want to talk about Romania as well, did you have a lot of opportunities to speak with other Christians or unbelievers about what was going on? Or um, were you just observing? Well, when I was in Poland, when I got to Poland, basically when I was there, just visiting the assemblies, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, that are there. Uh, there's six, okay. not a lot, six in Poland, and I visited five mm-hmm. of them. And I got to know some of the brothers and sisters there. And there were a few Ukrainian refugees there mm-hmm. at a couple of events that mm-hmm. I was at. Although when we can talk about Romania maybe later and uh, had an opportunity to share the gospel, some Ukrainian refugees. Mm-hmm. But in Poland, I went to Warsaw first and met a young brother there who put me up in his apartment. And his apartment is right in the area that used to be the Warsaw Ghetto. Mm, I don't know if you've heard yes. of that, where the, the Jewish people were collected mm-hmm. uh, or wow. to be shipped off to Auschwitz. Mm-hmm. And so there's this uh, border. The, the border of the, the ghetto is marked by these flagstones, mm-hmm. like in, in the pavement, you know, 1940 to 1943, which was the time of the you know, ghetto until there was the Warsaw Uprising. Right. And so and so it's sort of commemorated by these flagstones around. And his apartment was just on the other side wow. of, of the border. Uh-huh. And uh, so, yeah, started in Warsaw. But Warsaw is more in the center, north, north center of the country. There's, I guess, more the center, I should say, center east, easterly mm-hmm. direction. But the other assemblies, where the bulk of the assemblies are that I visited, we're in the west near the border of the Czech okay. Republic. That's on the western okay. side of Poland. And it's an area called Upper Silesia or okay. Silesia. It used to be part of Germany way back mm-hmm. when, but now it's a part of 
Poland now. And so that's where the bulk of the assemblies uh, of the assemblies are. Okay. All right. So in Poland, what do you see is typically going on with various Christian groups? Are is there um any sort of, I don't know, a fear of being, I guess you would say, involved in the conflict in, in any way? Um, are people finding that they are dealing with any sort of military intervention and that's causing some sort of distress for them? What's going on with oh, the Christians that you were interacting with? Well, with, with Poland, of course, yeah, there was tension mm-hmm. because of Russia's behavior. And there's a long history sure. in Poland with Russia and the various wars. And, and they know they know mm-hmm. about that. But Poland was one of the countries that took in most of the uh, big bulk of the Ukrainian refugees. Mm-hmm. Both Poland and Romania border on Ukraine. Mm-hmm. Both our countries shared the border of Ukraine mm-hmm. and with Moldova. And But Poland's a little more in the north, like the northern part of Poland is on the Baltic Sea, where Romania is more to the okay. south. And the southern border is on the Black Sea. So Turkey's just across mm-hmm. from Romania. But yeah, there's, so there's tension there. But I mean, people, I mean, the Christians were happy. And the assemblies uh, that I was visiting there, they're very evangelical mm-hmm. and outreaching, mm-hmm. like very evangelical, okay. you know, with people. And I was really impressed mm-hmm. with that. Like, Door to door, you know, with the gospel, street mm-hmm. preaching, you know, witnessing people, sharing the gospel, you know, and so they're very energetic mm-hmm. and lively. And I had an opportunity to speak at a young people's event, and there was um, a young lady there. I found out found out this after, a young lady there, uh, in her twenties who was not mm-hmm. a believer had just been invited to that, and a brother texted me afterwards and said I had shared my testimony there. Mm-hmm. And uh, afterwards, and she received Christ as her Lord and Savior. Wow. Awesome. So I was thankful for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just uh, traveled around visiting these assemblies mm-hmm. and in the homes. And, but the thing with Poland generally, just apart from uh, the, the Brethren Assemblies or the assemblies there that we associate with, it's not a big evangelical place. Mm-hmm. Like, it's very Christianized, like, the Roman Catholic Church is about ninety-five or ninety-eight percent of the country is strongly Roman Catholic. Mm-hmm. So it's a very conservative country in that way. You know, mm-hmm. they don't go like a lot of the stuff that we do here in North America. So it's conservative, like religious. Mm-hmm. Uh, but as far as evangelical testimony, I mean, the number of Christians are you know not in the millions, but maybe in the tens of thousands. You know, like it's it's just a little minority. Mm-hmm. You know, brethren, Baptist, Pentecostal, maybe a few Presbyterian, mm-hmm. like I'm talking about evangelical Bible-believing Christians, mm-hmm. are very much a minority okay. in Poland. And the Roman Catholic Church is, 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 in fact, every day at afternoon, in the afternoon, you hear the church bells mm-hmm. toll with a hymn. And it was the Pope's favorite hymn, the uh, Polish Pope that was before. Oh, okay. <laughs> so yes. <people> are conservative, <laughs> you know, they're... Sure. You know, God fearing generally, the society is conservative. Polish people are very hardworking because the country was basically leveled during the Second mm-hmm. War and they've built it all back up. You know, it's a prosperous country, safe country, clean country. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was uh, it was really good seeing the 
uh, seeing the the saints yeah. there. What about Romania? Because I know that you were just talking about like in terms of geography where everything is. So what was going on in Romania with Ukrainian refug- yeah. refugees dealing with the conflict, the Ukrainian-Russian conflict that was there as yeah. well? What was that like? Well, it really, it's the same deal as in Poland, only they're on the border of Ukraine as well, and they've had a big influx of refugees. Now, the assembly meeting hall in Bucharest is really big, and it's three mm-hmm. stories. And the two upper stories, there, there's dorm rooms. They have that for conferences because they have large conferences. There. Mm-hmm. And so they're using that to process the Ukrainian refugees. Okay. So they were living upstairs, and the saints there, the, the believers there were looking after them, uh, giving them food, mm-hmm. and big uh, job. helping them process things with the government, like papers, and mm-hmm. maybe that they would transition to other countries or another part of Romania. Mm-hmm. And uh, But I had an opportunity there to preach the gospel to a group of them. You know, they had after they had their meal, then I could come upstairs mm-hmm. and uh, share the gospel. My translator was a young Ukrainian Christian brother. He's in his 20s, a school teacher, but his English was very good. He was from Odessa, mm-hmm. Ukraine, and he translated me as I shared the gospel with him. But uh, they were uh, Russian-speaking Ukrainians. Okay. And so okay. he was translated into Russian, not, not Ukrainian. I was just going to ask, I was like, which language was chosen? Because <laughs> like, if you're speaking English and then you're in Romania, but then there are yeah. Polish citizen i mean sorry ukrainian people yeah, yeah. there i was like wait which language is being yeah. chosen here well, the Ukrainians, yeah uh speak both ukrainian and depending where you're from in ukraine mm-hmm. uh they speak okay. russian you see. okay okay this particular group were russian speaking okay that share the gospel with but um so you know it was uh it was good and well, like i said this was my fourth mm-hmm. time in romania mm-hmm. Now, Romania is similar in some way to Poland that it's a conservative country, religious country, but it's not the Roman Catholic Church. It's the Orthodox, sure. uh, Romanian Orthodox, like, you know, like Greek Orthodox or mm-hmm. Russian Orthodox. And so every town you go in, you see, you know, large Orthodox churches. So the Christian testimony is basically about the same as in Poland. You know, it's, it's really a minority, not like you have in the U.S., you know, where uh, you have Bible belts and places where there's large groups of Christians. That, that does not exist there, right? right? But there, there are little small areas where there's little conglomerations of believers, but relatively speaking, uh, small. Mm-hmm. But the, the history in Romania is interesting in that in 1920, <laughs> I mean, the Christian history, as far as, you know, the gospel and that is concerned. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. In 1920, there was an Orthodox priest by the name of Theodore Popescu, uh, Father Theodore Popescu, and he, he was converted to Christ in mm-hmm. 1920. And he started preaching the gospel and a revival mm-hmm. broke out mm-hmm. in Romania. And, you know, thousands of people were getting saved. And he was a scholar and he, he, read, he understood several languages including mm-hmm. English, and he got some of the books of the brethren from England. And so assemblies started to be formed under his ministry, mm-hmm. but other groups as well, you know, like independent churches and Baptist groups all sort of came out of that revival that initiated with his conversion. Mm-hmm. So it's a nice, uh, interesting story there. Was he originally, I was going to, when I was in this trip to Romania, I was going to go to Moldova as well. Okay. 
which borders Romania. It used to be before the Second World War part of mm-hmm. Romania. In fact, they speak Romania. Okay. Uh, but Russia sort of lobbed off a section of Romania and called you know, and made it the country of Moldova. Okay. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, and they're threatening it now, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, because there's a certain section of Moldova where there are a lot of Russian-speaking people. The Russians, they put Russian speakers in, mm-hmm. and Transnistia is the area. And then they'll say, well, uh, we have to come liberate our people, rescue our people. Okay. You know, we've come to liberate you, <laughs> you know, like uh, destroy your town and villages, right? So, yeah, so I was going, but when I got to Romania, we decided not to go because they were having their Bible mm-hmm. camps in the summer. And a lot of people were away from their meetings. Okay. And so I would, I'd be going, it would be very few people. So, so I'm going in March. Okay. Uh, there's a Bible conference. Okay. In Just to Moldova, or are you going to to Romania and Moldova? Okay. Yeah. Okay. I'm so, thinking about maybe yeah. swinging over to Poland. I don't know yet, but we'll see. Yeah. You have to see how things are going <laughs> over there. And a cool story about mm-hmm. Romania is, you know, I had a bit of a toothache mm-hmm. uh, before I left. And, you know, I always put off going to dentist, always busy and everything. And <laughs> my wife comes, oh, you should go before you fly over there. And I told my translator, uh, Brother Emmanuel Matano, he's mm-hmm. an excellent brother. He's my translator. He actually speaks six languages, you know. Wow. <laughs> yeah. And his English is really good. <laughs> but anyway, so jealous. I, said, I said, Emmanuel, I got, <laughs> I got a tooth. And he's, oh, that's no problem. They've got a lot of dentists in their their assemblies over there, their meetings like oh. Bucharest must be half a, do- a dozen of, I don't know. And then other assemblies. And sometimes the dentists there will offer their services for the Lord's uh, servants, you know, who are visiting them and mm-hmm. do their teeth work for free. You know, brother, wow. you know, brother Brian Baptiste, he goes there as well. <laughs> and he had his teeth done before I went. So I got three implants, you know, wow. teeth done, with, you know <laughs> Not what and you were expecting to have done. Fillings, and that shows you how long it's been since I've been to the dentist. You know? And all that would be thousands of dollars in Canada. So really, really appreciate that. And oh. and the dentist said, you have to leave the post in for the implants for six months before we can put the crowns on. Mm-hmm. And six months will be just in time for the Moldova conference. Oh, you'll be back just in time. <laughs> so there is method in their you'll madness. You'll be back just in time. That's so interesting that they have so many... Dentist. Yeah, it's just a interesting. I was going to ask you to go back a little bit to what you saw in Bucharest with assembly that was host, hosting refugees and then helping yeah. them with their papers. Like that is a massive undertaking, yeah, right? Yeah. Like mm-hmm. you're not expecting, right? Like before this whole conflict started happening, right? Then a bunch of people, I don't know what the number is, right? They're coming from another country they had to leave everything behind and then to help them through it's not just food and shelter but whatever their government papers are and all that whole process what did you see if you could talk just a little bit more about what that operation looks like when people take in refugees because i know that that is that happens sometimes here right in the united states i know it was happening when there were a lot of afghani refugees but i think about just like the logistical things that can come up when you take large groups of people, what, what kind of things did you see? Yeah. I mean, everything like it looked like it was running smoothly, both uh, Romania and Poland because of their faci- uh, vicinity, like to their closeness to uh, um, Ukraine, you know, they get the, 
the initial big bulk of refugees. And then some are afterwards dispersed to other European places, countries, and then even to North America. But the assembly hall, the assembly in Bucharest, because it's big, you know, they would take between 20 and 30 families Mm. at a time and keep them for a certain length of time until they get processed and move on somewhere else. And they'll take another group, you know. So I think the government, you know, there's some connection with the government in this, Mm -hmm. you know, because the Christians there reached out because they wanted Mm -hmm. to help them. Right. They basically offered their services. It wasn't just uh, the Assembly of Bucharest where I visit, but there's other Christians too and other groups doing the same thing. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's, um, it's, it's, it's a good work. And, you know, they're, they're distressed people. I could see it on their face. You know, they were distressed, you know, tension. And, um, you know, you get uprooted from your home and, you know, from your family and from your familiar surroundings and stuff. So I think it's a Christian thing to do, right. To show compassion to people. And, you know, we want to share the gospel. I know in Poland, they've produced a booklet in Ukrainian with with the gospel Mm -hmm. message in it. I met some Ukrainians there, but just not with the gospel, but just, uh, you know, meeting them afterwards. I believe a couple of them were believers Mm -hmm. anyway. You know, uh, God's work goes on. And God, even in these calamities like war, you know, God is sovereign and, you know, things happen. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, people get saved Mm -hmm. and, um, you know, God's work goes on. Yeah. So were there... things that you saw that Christians in Poland and Romania that we here in North America can learn from? Uh, I wouldn't say particularly, uh, except I would say in Poland, I was very, like like I mentioned this before, very impressed with the, uh, their evangelical zeal, like reaching Mm -hmm. out with the gospel and their love for one another too. That was, that struck me, you know, mm-hmm. and um, sometimes it's not always the case. We get Christian get in ruts, you know, and uh, we're comfortable and then, you know, we're living our own lives and stuff. But I really noticed that there in, in Poland, probably because there's a history there, you know, mm-hmm. and it's a country that's seen a lot of conflict in the past. Mm-hmm. And the number of Christians are few, relatively speaking. Mm-hmm. And so if we don't get along when we're a few in the sea of, you know, mm-hmm. that which is opposite to Christianity, then what are we all about? Yeah. So that's struck. And they're really, uh, you know, they were, they were friendly to me. I'm your typical English speaker. You know, the definition of an Englishman is that he's unilingual. You know, oh, yeah. We know one language, right? Yeah, no. It's so sad. <laughs> it's crazy, you know. Like, yeah. all the young people in both Poland, everybody in Poland and Romania from, say, 30 downward, I would say everybody, but a large percentage are fairly fluent in English, you know. Some of them are actually bilingual. Uh-huh. Uh, those who are, like, 50 years old uh-huh. and up, if they have a second language, it'll be German okay. or Russian, especially uh, Russian mm-hmm. because of the Soviet sure. era. They had to learn Russian in school and stuff mm-hmm. like that. But the younger generation, they want to learn Russian. Okay. <laughs> they want to learn English. Okay, got right? it. And they're, they're pretty, pretty fluent in English. But Polish is a tough language. I, you know, I think you would have to be born into it <laughs> to speak it. Okay. <laughs> like they got so many, about the same amount of letters in, in the alphabet as we do. What is it, 23 or 24, whatever? <laughs> 26. Uh, and they have all these little little symbols mm-hmm. over their letters, yeah. you know, that give a different sound and different combination of vowels and stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, the five towns 
I visit in Poland, like there's Orszesa, Katowice, Warsaw, that's common, uh, mm-hmm. Grabov, uh, Mikhailov. But if you if you actually look at the spelling, you wouldn't get that from sure. that. You know, it just it doesn't sound like it looks, mm-hmm. but uh, no, it was good. Okay, so be uh, bilingual. Be bilingual. <laughs> but maybe don't start with Polish. <laughs> that might be really <laughs> difficult. Yeah, be <laughs> try to be bilingual. But I mean, it makes sense because if you are bilingual or trilingual, it can take you many places. That's right. right? The it problem for us in North America is that if you take Canada and the United States together, mm-hmm. we're in a sea of 400 million Sure. English-speaking people. In Europe, the countries are relatively small. So you have Germany, France, Switzerland, Mm -hmm. you know, Poland, you know, England, Spain, you know. And so you've got to know a couple of languages. Right. And and English is the biggie. Everybody wants to learn English. It's good for Mm -hmm. business and and culture, you know, like media. Yeah. 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 But it's true because it's like, you know, we I can drive, I don't know, three hours west. And everyone there is still speaking English, right? So the incentive, I suppose you would say for us, there really isn't as much. Right, right, exactly. We have to put in more effort, but it's it's definitely definitely something to think about because it can knowing multiple languages can take you many, many, many different places. Yeah. But the brethren there are very kind Mm -hmm. and and, in Romania as well. You know, uh, my translator and I were driving from Bucharest to a little village for the Lord's Day morning meeting, a little village called Voliac, mm-hmm. very small. And uh, we're driving along. We stopped <laughs> We stopped in the roadside gas station to get some coffee. And so we got back to the car. But the coffee cup, the lid, like kind of a sketchy coffee cup, but the lid popped off and all the coffee went down through my oh, on my Sunday oh, shirt. No. <laughs> Did you get burned? I hope not. <laughs> no, 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 I didn't, but... Uh, it was a mess. Oh. You know? So Emmanuel got his cell phone. He phoned ahead, and a brother in the meeting there was ready. When I got there, he gave me a shirt. So he oh, switched. That's, I mean, that's really nice. It was cool. It's funny, you know. <laughs> right, exactly. These things happen, you know. We speak of, you know, Sunday splash. You know, you get your best clothes oh. on in the Lord's Day, <laughs> and you're eating your soup, and it goes over. Well, this is really Sunday splash. Right, you know? coffee. Right, exactly. And think about some some of the people who are like, "Oh, we're having this guy from Nova Scotia come." Like, yeah. no. And then with the coffee, yeah. maybe like, "Oh, do they mm-hmm. usually dress like that?" I don't know. <laughs> well, they, first impressions. Another thing interesting about Poland, uh, just this is not so much to do with the Christian side of things, but uh, was I had an opportunity to visit Auschwitz Birkenau mm-hmm. death camp because. Mm-hmm. Uh, when before I went, I looked at the map where I was going. The majority of the assemblies I was visiting in Upper Silesia, mm-hmm. and I noticed that Auschwitz was was like forty minutes mm-hmm. from like Katowice yeah, or that close. area. Hmm. So I uh, heavy emailed Brother uh, Peter Sabiniak and I asked him, "What's the chances if I have an off day?" And I didn't have a lot of off days because pretty well every day in Romania and Poland there's a message every okay. day, but. I had a Monday, I think it was a Monday off. I don't, I'm not sure. I can't quite remember, but I think it was a Monday. But anyway, so they booked it for me. Mm. And because you, know, you have to pre-book and it's it's a huge site. And me with my arthritis, I, you know, I walked a five kilometer by foot tour. Mm. You know, when you're looking at the crematoriums mm. oh. and, and you know, like the torture chambers and all mm. of that, you know. And it's just like, you know, you read about it and, you know, you right. see 
films about it, but when you're there, yeah. it really strikes you, you know, like the, how, you know, right. it, uh, how could people do that to right. people? You know? And it's just, well, the heart's desperately wicked. Yeah. That's a solemn place. Uh, above to be. all things, and, and who can know it? Jeremiah says, "Desperate look at an evil above uh, above all things." So uh, that really comes out. And there was one place there. It was the um, the the landing platform where the train cars would come in. Mm. And they'd take the Jewish people off mm-hmm. platform, and where they were divided into those that would go to the gas chamber and those that would go to slave labor. Mm right and they have a road there that went to where the crematoriums were where those that were chosen for death and they call it the road of death and the same road is there with the same mm-hmm. you know gravel stuff it's about 500 meters long and so the group i was with because there's a big group of people they do it by languages so i was in the english-speaking group okay so so we were walking along this road the road of death was totally silent of course you know, yeah it was so solemn you know mm. And of the 6 million uh, Jewish people that died in the Holocaust, 3 million of them were Polish. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Poland was the largest center for Jewish people yeah. in Europe. Mm-hmm. About the city of, of Krakow, that used to be a, a big center. Mm-hmm. When I went to a big museum in Warsaw, it was the history of the Jewish people in Poland Museum. Mm-hmm. And they were there like almost a thousand years. They were hundreds mm-hmm. of years at a minimum and so wow. and all wiped out you know just unbelievable yeah. but yeah so you know that was that was the, the solemn part of the visit yes i can only imagine mm-hmm. you know especially because those in so many places where terrible things happen people build over those places but to be in a place where yeah it still exists to see it as it was um well the nazis you know, were trying to burn and destroy all the uh, destroy the place as the Russians and Western allies, the Americans and British were approaching, mm-hmm. right? But they didn't get rid of it all. So there was originally like three hundred bunks, mm-hmm. bunk houses, I should sure, say. Like but still, a good number, maybe twenty or thirty, still standing, mm-hmm. and one crematorium still left. Mm-hmm. And but you see the foundations of where all the other ones sure. were, you know. So view it all but no i really appreciate that if i'm going to go to poland i'm going to you know you can't not be there and just you can't not visit sure. it in, in my opinion you mm-hmm. know like you have to honor the people you know that perished and, right um and recognize you know the the desperate condition of the human mm-hmm. heart that shows really how far a man can can get away from god mm-hmm. and how much we need his grace to be preserved yeah. you know and it really, really is quite a lesson. Yeah. So I was glad that I went. Hmm. How were you able to see the Lord like moving during this war or through this war? You know, the in Poland, you've got the refugees and all of the things that they're doing. How are you mm-hmm. able to, were you, were you able to see him or how did you yeah. see him? Well, just in the fact that so many uh, Christians were reaching out to mm-hmm. refugees mm-hmm. and people from like, you know, from a different country, you know, and the Christians reaching out and helping them. I mean, it wasn't just the Christians that are helping. Everybody was helping. But but to see, you know, that, you know, like that compassion and also the opportunity also to share the gospel, right? That in Ukraine, they may never have heard, you know, because it's a strictly orthodox country. And as religious as it is, and they do have a reverence for God. Yeah. 
the, the gospel of grace, of God's free grace through Jesus Christ, you know, apart from works, is not mm-hmm. known. Yeah. And it's interesting, and, and I it didn't strike me till after, like when I was in um, Romania, and the gospel message that I shared was, you know, the story from Acts chapter 10, where Peter brings the gospel to the first batch of Gentiles, you know, Cornelius, the centurion, the Roman mm-hmm. centurion in his yeah. house in Acts chapter 10. And he was a, a God-fearer, you know, like he, sure. he gave alms to the poor. He prayed to the God of Israel. So he had a reverence for God. But he needed to hear, like, the, the clear gospel of, of saving grace. Mm-hmm. So God sent Peter to give him the message, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And that's the message I shared mm-hmm. with the Ukrainians, the, the story of Cornelius coming to Christ. And then, you know, when I finished the message, um, and I, I said, can we pray? And they nodded. So I, I prayed for them. When I opened my eyes, they were all standing, mm-hmm. right? And now someone told me afterwards, that's what they do because they're, they're orthodox. Mm-hmm. Orthodox people stand when you pray, mm-hmm. right? Reverence to God. And it really struck me that, yeah, you know, thank you, Lord, for giving me that particular message because they, you know, they were like Cornelius. You know, they're, they're people that, you know, they, they believe in God. They have a fear of God. They have a reverence towards mm-hmm. God. But they just need to know that Jesus loves them personally and died for their sins. You know, they don't have to go to the priest. You know, they don't have to do good works in order to get it, that they can mm-hmm. have it for free through the work of the Lord Jesus by believing in him. And so, you know, I was thankful. So, yeah. So we get these opportunities to answer your question, Christian, that, that, you know, even in the darkest of times and the most chaotic, you know, things and worst things that happen in the world, you know, that somehow in God's in his sovereignty is working out his purpose. You just take the Holocaust. We spoke of the Holocaust, but out of that came the nation of Israel, you know, the prophecies are being fulfilled, you know, that they would come back in their land and unbelief, you know, waiting for the Messiah again. That would never have happened had not the Holocaust happened. So God is sovereign. He can work through all man's dealings, you know, and catastrophes. And just like Acts chapter 2, verse 23, where Peter says of Christ, him being delivered by the predetermined counsel and foreknowledge of God, you have taken and with wicked mm. hands have crucified slain. In other words, they yeah. did it of their own will. Like right. they weren't puppets. They weren't robots. You know, they had their agenda. You know, they wanted right. to get rid of Christ. But yet God, he had a, a foreknowledge and a, a foreordination that Christ, the Lamb of God, would come and die for the sins of the world. How you can explain that? You can't. Right. You cannot <laughs> explain it. It just right. is, right? It just mm-hmm. is. God is sovereign. But man is fully responsible for the things that he does. Hmm. uh, So that, I think that's a lesson in that as well. Right. Well, Brian, thank you so, so much for sharing everything that you saw, learned, and were thinking about in your travels to Poland and Romania. And um, maybe you will have a follow-up. Uh, we'll see um, we'll when you see. go back, my, God willing. My teeth in Moldova. <laughs> right. When you <laughs> have you your follow-up appointment, <laughs> um, we'll see uh, yeah, if right. we can follow back up with you. Right. I think you gave us a lot to think about. Yeah. Um, you know, so often here in North America, I mean, we're focused on what's happening here, right? To us, I think that's part of the, you know, our human nature, but I think it's also part of our culture here mm-hmm. um, in so many countries in North America. And it's always good to remember um, what people are going through in other places, Christians and non-Christians, so we can pray 
more intelligently and specifically, and also to be challenged. I mean, I am sure that people taking in refugees and trying to help them is, is not easy. I'm sure it is what we would say disruptive to their normal lives. It's not happening in their country, right? And so sometimes we can get this way, even as Christians, where, oh, that's not my problem, right? right? But as we're all united in the family of God as believers, right, in the body of Christ, you know, when one member suffers, we all suffer. And we really should remind ourselves of that on a regular basis, Um, when we think and when we pray. So thank you so much for the conversation. And to all of our listeners out there, we hope that this conversation also made you think and maybe challenged you that the Holy Spirit is speaking to you about maybe there's something for you to do in your own little corner, in your space, here, in your house, in your community, um, something that the Lord wants you to do. Maybe that's outside of your comfort zone. So thanks so much, Brian and Krista. And uh, to all our listeners out there, we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Patterns of Truth podcast. We invite you to join us for our next episode. And we also encourage you to check out patternsoftruth.org, where we post articles every week for the encouragement and growth of Christ followers. If you have any questions, please don't hesitate to submit them on our website. I'm Peter. Until next time.